Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 262, covering The Q and the Gray and Macrocosm with Brian Lynch. Hi, friends. Uh, Brian's here, but that's not why I'm sighing, but... It's another Brian, week with Voyager. It sure is. I Season really three make, is sure on a roll, isn't it? I really just want to make that the tagline of the series at this point. Just, just like, uh, well, hey, hey, guys, welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror. Uh, welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror. We're not ball. sighing because Brian's here. <laughs> well, I'm mean, not only because Brian's here. <laughs> Look, I can only be so nice, okay, if you walk into stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, also, I might as well just plug this while we're talking about seeing us. We're doing a live show here in a few weeks. Uh, we surely are, Al. Why don't you tell Seattle. the people about it? I will, except I keep forgetting to have the date in front of me because I'm an idiot. It is April 8th. I, that sounds correct. I know because I had to get off work and it's standardized testing week and I was really worried I wasn't going to be able to get to <laughs> Wow. Yes, Friday, April 8th, 5.30 p.m. at the Pocket Theater in Seattle. If I'm you're in not town. scheduled to do any testing until next week, so I can make it, and I live halfway across the country. What's your goddamn excuse, listeners? Exactly. You live all the way across the country. Uh, sorry, I meant to say halfway across the world. Although, yes. really, it's more like an eighth of the way across the world, because I'm ignoring oceans. Look, right. I'm going to give you the the fact that crossing the entire country is pretty good. I'm not going to give you the whole world, though. No. To do that, we were, we're going to be recording in, like, I don't know, Australia... Well, an eighth of the world. Zimbabwe. Yeah. The North Pole. Are you just going to name places now? Cucamonga. <laughs> Seattle. Oh, yes, wait. Seattle. Well, Seattle, we got one. There we go. If if you happen to be in town for the um, uh, Emerald City Comic Con, yes. uh, it's the same weekend as that. Uh, we are across town from that, I will say. The Pocket Theater yeah, is not, we are like, not right Emerald next City to the... adjacent. No, but it's not like terribly far. It's a couple of miles. Um Look, you and came all the way from Zimbabwe. You can you can cross the fucking city. Yeah, look, we really want to see our Zimbabwean um, uh, contingent of, of uh, listeners there, please. I'm just going to start shaming people into coming to see us. Yeah, that that's a hey, loser. Fine. Sounds about right. But my point is, uh, every week for quite a while now, we've been face palming, and you can see us face palm in real life. You can mm-hmm. just right in front of you, just twelve and a half percent of the Earth distance Pieces away from you. Good. I'm glad we got that uh, settled. Yeah, very, very important. Could not, could not continue without it. I was yeah. on the edge of my squeaky chair. <laughs> squeaky, squeaky um, chair. So this week, uh, in addition to a terrible episode, we had an episode that some of us liked and some of us didn't. And yeah. some of us liked some of it. Yeah, I, I think Brian, you're in the middle. I liked it. Matt didn't like it. So this should be what a wacky trio discussion. we are. I know. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us all about the Q and the Gray? Okay, the Q and the Gray, the best title ever, because after a while you just sort of run out of Q puns. Mm -hmm. All right, here we go. So, the Voyager is taking some time off to do a little sightseeing this week, and uh, why wouldn't they? It's not like they have any pressing business to attend to. Who needs to go home anyway? I don't even remember what Orth smells like. Orth? (laughs) That can't be right. Earth? Yarth? Uh, It'll come to me. Anyway. Janeway gets tuckered out by a long and hard scene of tedious bullshit and heads back to her quarters for a nap. When she arrives, she finds none other than her old buddy Q, who is desperately and rather embarrassingly trying to fuck her. Look, you got a heart-shaped headboard and the world's smallest champagne glass and the world's thickest and most concealing robe. What more can he do? Anyway, he's not in it for love. No, he wants to get her pregnant. And he'll use all the low-budget magic and hacky dick jokes at his disposal to get it. And why? Because he's lonely. He wants a little cue to share in his journeys around the universe. And after a while, he drops the big bomb. He's willing to offer to send the Voyager home in exchange for some of that stern and orderly Janeway lovin'. (laughs) Wow. So Voyager actually has a moral conundrum. Does the captain compromise herself for the greatest good? Do they trust in Q's famously mercurial trustworthiness? Do they risk helping him despite his almost certain ulterior motives? What a dilemma that we will spend about three seconds on before Q's girlfriend... Oh, hey, check out the noise Al makes when I say this name. Before Q's girlfriend, Susie Plaxon, <sighs> shows up and, he, and she decides to get all catty. 
because, as she reveals, Q's not just lonely, he wants a little Q messiah. See, it turns out that the suicide of Quinn, the Q that walked like a man, led to some <laughs> conflict within the continuum, leading to a Q civil war. If Q has a baby with a human, that will solve all the trouble because reasons. Q and Kathy enter the continuum, which is represented, as the title may have clued you into, by the U.S. Civil War. So they spend some time running around wearing costumes and play-acting and getting shot at until Q and the Lady Q decide that they've had enough of these, I don't know what you'd call them, lethal recreational activities, and engage in graphic on-camera sex, kind of, and then they have a little Winston Churchill in a Starfleet uniform, and it's finally over, and I have a good cry and wonder why on earth anyone would think, Earth! That's it, I knew it would come to me. <laughs> This week on Deep Space Nine, Quark and Odo crash land on a planet and have to engage in wilderness odd couple shenanigans. We laugh a little, we learn a little, and we're all better people for it. I just yeah. want to say that you did not slip lethal recreational activities by me. Huh? No, <laughs> I don't this, know what you're talking about. This, this is a warning. You have been warned. I, I, listen, if you didn't make it forbidden fruit, I wouldn't want to eat it so much. <laughs> listen, I know baseball and four strikes and you're out, okay? <laughs> it's Canadian baseball. Yeah, sure. Speaking of Canadian... We, uh, we don't have this... baseball in Canada, sorry. No, they don't. Watching this episode with Amanda, she's like, the Q and the gray, that's that's, that's not a pun. <laughs> like, No, I'm, I'm afraid it is. I'm afraid it's exactly yeah, I had a similar reaction when they got to the Civil War, and I'm like, where's Iron Man? Yeah. No, now it's Civil War Two, also with oh. Iron Man. Where's oh. Oliver oh. Cromwell? <laughs> yeah. Well, Oliver Cromwell... <laughs> <laughs> Three people will get that, and they are all on this show right now. <laughs> That's not true. Flonk will get it, too. Nancy and I. <laughs> we probably had a pet. <laughs> Jelly beans. Wap music. <laughs> oh. oh. So, yeah, Susie Plaxon. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and go ahead and do my good thing. Cause, do your good thing. Yeah, that's it. It's her. No, she, like, okay, I I very clearly, and I said this during her appearances on Next Gen, have a bit of a crush on her. I, I find her appealing, but... Bit. You don't say, Al. What? But, hey, look, how many times do we have to listen to you talk about Kira, okay? Like, <laughs> my, you got me there. She my was crush was, episode, too. My, so. Yeah, my crush was on a very occasional guest star. Your crush was on a series regular. And playing uh, different roles every time. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. Brian's crush was probably on some obscure person who was in some other obscure other thing. But no, it's Robert Picardo. No, that's it's fair. fair. It's fair. Look, I think we all like. It's one of those <laughs> things. Like, yes, it's a foregone conclusion. We all have a crush on Robert Picardo. Mm -hmm. But no, I don't she have a crush on any of you. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> I don't understand these human crushes. Um... Stop looking <laughs> at me like that. Don't address me with your eyes. <laughs> Please dress me with your eyes now. Come on. <laughs> Uh, but really, Susie Plaxon, like, just as an actor, like, she's got this presence. She's got, like, we said this before when we were early in Next Gen when she showed up as uh, Salar and Kalar because mm -hmm. she was the strong female presence that we needed that that show didn't have at that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Before Ensign Rowe. And then before, stopped having after she went away. Uh, yeah, well, they had Ensign Rowe and Counselor Troy got her shit together almost at the last minute. But yep. for the most part, they, they didn't really. But I, she very effectively played a Vulcan. She very effectively played a half Klingon. And now she very, like, easily the best Q apart from Delancey. Like, we've had other actors fill in as Q. And oh, definitely. Yeah, she's the first one to get that superiority. And you were saying that, like, she seems annoyed. Yeah. That, like, she has to be in a physical form. Every physical reaction she has when a character talks to her is like, oh, what is that? Oh, what is that noise? Get away. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Something about it I really like. And like I say, Delancey's got this. I mean, we've all said this over and over again. He's mm -hmm. great. And he has yeah, this oh, he's phenomenal. really unique presence. And she's the only one that feels up to that to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it doesn't else hurt like... that she's like 50 feet tall. So. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Six one, but, I think. But then we get back close. into my crush and I'm trying to trying to focus on like things that I can quantify and not just, oh, she's so pretty. And Roxanne, Roxanne Biggs Dawson is like a pocket size. They, they have a scene together and it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. No, she they, they do this cool thing where they they show different reactions, you know, like she's she's stuck on the ship. Like it's all Q and and uh, Janeway, but she's got to react with everyone else on Voyager and they do a really nice job of taking us through all the yeah, they did this trick on Next Gen too or like mm -hmm. let's show how each of these characters react to a really annoying super being messing with their shit. But mm -hmm. 
it's a good way to show us how unique these characters are because they didn't feel like next gen. Like, Bellana didn't react the way Jordy would. She yeah. reacted the way Bellana would. And I say, he, even as this show tilts sharply into the direction of the Voyager we've been all hearing about. Yeah. After that first episode, or the first season, we're like, this is actually quite good. And the second season, we're like, there's a lot of good episodes. And now it's, mm-hmm. it's not so much. But well, yeah, you read still... guys like Braga and um, uh, uh, Jerry Taylor say, yeah, yeah. we did, hadn't found our voice, but now we had. And it's not the voice we want. <laughs> Turns out your voice is bad. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but the one thing that they're, they're still good at is they, they have a very strong grasp of these characters and how they would act in certain situations. Yeah. And I like she was fantastic and just at one point she doesn't have her powers and she wants to get them in the Q continuum. So she's got these elaborate plans. I, basically like uh, Q on Next Gen's whole the change the dra- gravitational constant of the universe. Like, just utterly absurd things that they couldn't possibly do. But then yeah. she, she finds a way. She works with Balana, And it's, it, I, I really like her. Yeah. And Tuvok's got some great, like, Vulcan sarcasm at her. Oh, and so good. And She's Chuck's like, well, got I his... Guess we could throw this rickety old barge through there. Ma- Madam, this rickety old barge is <laughs> capable of more than you realize. So, like, the only thing standing between you and the void of space. Right. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was good. Like, character-wise, I really liked this episode. And I get the um the criticisms of it as we'll get to but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I, it's good comedy it's good character stuff and i kind of just ignored the rest of it at this point i'm clinging to what i can you know i would probably which in this case a, is Susie Pla- Susie plaxton you are yes, clinging please. desperately to Susie plaxton yes please no and also this is the first time we've seen her like just mm-hmm. the yeah. way she looks instead of in vulcan makeup or klingon makeup and she's a pretty lady and andorian makeup to come God, oh. so i've heard She's, we we were talking about this while we were watching the show. She's, she was an excellent Klingon. Yeah. Even though she was only a half Klingon that didn't much care for her Klingon half, she was still really good at it. Mm-hmm. She was a dynamite Vulcan. She's a cute. She's kind of like like I think she's done better at playing multiple species than any other Star Trek actor. I think maybe, and I haven't seen him as an Andorian yet, but Jeffrey Combs. Well, is the thing about Jeffrey Combs be... or Combs or Jeff, Jeff, the thing about Comey Jeff uh-huh. is that most of the species he played, he was either the main or the only representative of. That's true. And so it's a lot of whereas she's coming in and playing these established species. Mm. Yeah, um, that's a fair and point. I, I think that's there's there's more of a challenge to that um, mm. because. You know, uh, you you put you know Ethan Phillips in Frangi makeup, and he's still as you know they have, right? Uh, and he's still gonna seem like Neelix as a Frangi. That's yeah. true, um, but I I still think like he's up there. Like if you're doing sort of a Hall of Fame of you know Star Trek oh, guys, yeah, who no, can no, play definitely, multiple definitely races, agreed. He's on that list too, and and even Mark Lennard to some extent, but uh, mm-hmm. maybe not quite as much, especially since Brian ruined him by pointing out that he sounds like Vincent Price. Welcome to my chamber about, of yeah. terrors, Captain Kirk. <laughs> I don't approve of my son joining Starfleet. Now I just sound like Mr. Hengus. I can't. This really is going to steal all. It's the not exactly in, in the San path Francisco. I would have chosen for him. <laughs> anyway, I like Susie Plaxon. The end. Mm-hmm. So one do you, I. One of you say a good thing, Matt. How about you? Ah, uh, there's a puppy in this episode. Whee! Yes, there is. At uh, at one point, Q presents uh, Janeway with a puppy and has a way of bribing her into having sex with him, which is like upsetting. But you know, this is adorable for puppy. Me in the past. I feel like we should be referring to her as Kathy this whole time because that's yep. how he refers to her. Uh, also, uh, also, Susie Plaxton refers to Neelix as Bar Rodent, which <laughs> is no, officially uh, no, the new was, uh, standard for Neelix. No, that that was uh, that was Q. That was Delancey. Was it really? Yeah, oh, well. it was. It was because well, either ready. way. It was when they he was both? standing at the bar right after uh, uh, Tom and Harry uh, left. You, bar rodent. They both had some really good snark, I would say. So, yeah. Welcome and, to uh, his new name. Oh, it's no, a... my nickname. <laughs> There's a scene with uh, uh, Paris, uh, Kim, and uh, Neelix, or as you might call them, Tom, Dick, and Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, our, our pal Nate uh, took a challenge. Uh, he was like, hey, I want to draw some stuff. G- give me some crazy stuff to draw. And I said, Neelix's genitals. And boy, did he. Yeah, oh, you yeah. really nailed it. Yep, uh, that's that's canonical for me now. You know? I will put a picture of that on our Tumblr because I feel like people should see that because I had to see it. 
it no, was, it was an excellent just, drawing. I just the way it was floating around Twitter for a while there, just for all for all to see. Just like uh, yeah, because we have a handful of uh, listeners who who talk to us on Twitter, and every now yeah. and then I'd hear from one saying "gah," and I'd look, and they were responding to the picture from a day or two ago. Like, oh, that's still <laughs> making ripples, huh? What is that? Some kind of fruiting plant? Oh no, no, hit the <laughs> uh, hit the get going for a closer look. Yep. Oh, good. And then it's like fractal because the head of it is Neelix, and then it just mm. goes further in and. Uh, <laughs> It's anyway. all the way down. Yep. Mm-hmm. Neelix. Neelix. Uh, Both of these episodes open with him doing just Neelixy stuff. I want to say goofy shit, but like Goofy had more dignity than this. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh no. Wahoo. <laughs> but then we mostly we mostly wouldn't hear him speaking. We'd hear a narrator t- walking us through like and the North American Neelix enjoys <laughs> Here we see the North American bar rodent at play, <laughs> assembling a VCR. Right. Creeping uh, on his girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> Brian, what was your good thing? Uh, well, uh, my good thing is, uh, as, as is often the case, I, I enjoy it when a character actor shows up in a Star Trek episode, and uh, Harf Presnell was in this one. Uh, I, I, he's, a, he's one of those guys I was like seeing. He was like this dashingly handsome song and dance man who started his career right when musicals stopped being a thing. And so he started doing like nothing but like little bit parts until the mid '90s when he played the the uh, the father-in-law in Fargo, right? Uh, and he all of a sudden he's like he's like the crusty old man that everybody wanted in their movies. He uh, would be perfect if they ever made a Monopoly movie. He'd be dynamite. <laughs> he actually he could play the brother of Colonel Ty from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, totally. Yeah, he's got that same quality to him. Um, there's uh, there's a lot that he could do, and he's still alive. Yes. Yeah, he played no. one of the Q who was like a No, a he died War in 2009. General. Never mind. Oh, okay. Um, main point is this came out a few months before Fargo, and I was like, hey, a guy like got a paycheck. Um, yeah. And he wasn't supposed to be like a Q the way the others are. He was supposed to be like an old Southern general. Right. And mm-hmm. he played it in a very like archetypical way. But it was, yeah. it was, it was just what the episode needed. Well, I say uh, yeah. you are a renegade, and I do not like you, Q. Q, I say Q. By the way, I think Saw, you have offended me. Yeah. I think it's great that the, the, the Q that wanted to like shake things up and change things and um, the ones who were the rebels mm-hmm. were represented by the Union Army because they were also the good guys. Yep. Yeah, I, like, I think the, the show just found itself boxed in. We probably don't want the audience to side with the, the gray guys. So, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we, 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 you know, the, uh, the, the. The Confederates were the villains, so we got to. Well, really, the, we're going to be courting this, some controversy with that. This apparently. takes me to my bad thing, really, which is the. the, the yeah, the go sim- ahead. Symbolism? Do you call it symbolism when it's just a civil war represents a civil war? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. And it's so, like, it's so just a civil war because yeah. it's the civil war. Like, And it's that old stock, in... like, uh, your human mind can't comprehend anything, yeah. so we're putting it in symbols that you can understand bullshit. Oh, like my human Hollywood mind. squares. <laughs> like can the my alien... human mind not comprehend dudes shooting like laser beams out of their hands at I don't each think, other? I don't think they're shooting lasers is the thing. It probably is something like weird and, and advanced or whatever, but I, I don't know. Well, it's, it's that like uh, contact where her dead father shows up. You know, the alien is her dead father. Speaking mm-hmm. of what they're shooting, I just wanted to jump right to it. It was not my official bad thing, but my supplementary bad thing. Mm-hmm. When the Q are shooting at them with weapons, Janeway actually says... So these are some kind of Q weapons? No yeah, fucking I think, shit. <laughs> I think they were trying to bring home the idea that this isn't literally a civil war, but they maybe could have done that a little less. Q weapons, which, by the way, it is a plot point that the the Voyager crew can wield, which makes literally no sense. Yeah, when Susie Plaxon gets them there, they show up as the cavalry holding yeah. guns. And like, wait, so they're now, they now have magic powers? Yeah, too? well, and like someone actually says, like, don't forget, yeah, they're, but... they're well, they have our Q weapons. They can hurt you with our Q weapons. Did yeah, they what? just like find them lying around? Maybe they gave them all temporary powers of Q like they did to Riker that one time. Mm. I don't. And one of them turns Neelix into a handsome man. <laughs> I don't or want to. Or I don't want to get whatever. here this way. <laughs> He's never going to get there otherwise. Dynamite casting on that, by the way, back in the eighties, they they yep. they really picked out what Will Wheaton was going to look like in twenty years. Oh yeah, <laughs> big big hunky dude in a in a rainbow suit. Yep, that's Will Wheaton. All right, Chin, you could crack <laughs> walnuts exactly... on. Yeah. That's exactly what I think of when I think of Will Wheaton. Uh-huh. I try not to think of Will Wheaton. It's fair. Um, but yeah, the whole just terrible like, okay, 
I like this purely as comedy and character stuff. That's it. Mm-hmm. When you get into the actual story and the actual Q Civil War and like all like that doesn't make any sense at all. And but on the other hand, I think Delancey and uh, Kate have mm-hmm. really good chemistry, and we'll get to Matt has some issues with the the characters, Look, which is I fine. No, but I have no problem with their chemistry. No, I but the way it plays out, other things, right? And and you, I will totally give you the floor in a moment. I, what I want to say, though, is I think the two of them have great chemistry and they know each other in real life and you can kind of tell mm-hmm. that they're excited to be working together. Mm. And if you just watch it purely in terms of as a goofy adventure, as a as, as a light, just don't think about it too much. Yeah, the first half of the episode, like I said, if they had not done the Civil War thing and the plot well, no, no, had that's actually what I'm saying. been like... like I'm saying even with the Civil War thing, in, them in oh, their no, stupid no, costumes yeah. running around a ba- battleground just is dumb, but eh, fine, whatever. But if they had made the episode, like, Voyager has an actual chance to get home by trusting Q and taking it at his word and having sex with him, um, you know, that that's an actual dilemma that they could actually put some effort into and put some mm-hmm. thought into. And then, obviously, they couldn't get home because the show would be over. Well, also, so I there don't... has to be a twist, and they they pick this twist that just like makes it all so. This I... is like this is basically my big problem with Q being on Voyager is he's such a obvious like way to get home. Well, and, and they, that's why they even bring up the idea of him bringing them home, and mm-hmm. he brings it up, and she says, "Yeah, you're not going to do that," and he's like, "Oh, you're right, I'm not." Mm-hmm. They just they need to get address that and go past it if they want him on this show. It's like it only works if he is uh, confrontational. Like he mm-hmm. can't be fr- he can't be friendly. Q like he is in this episode. Right. Well, and that's like this is, this would work more if he if he like if he enjoyed toying with Voyager because he doesn't like uh, Janeway. Well, because he ha- actually that's true. Bring back because on Next Generation he started out as a straight up villain. Yeah. And then gradually evolved into being like you know their their rascally friend. Uh, until and all so good things more. came along, and he had to take this like sharp tilt back into villainy. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, even his wackiness had some menace to it. Like, yeah. like uh, tapestry. He was gonna leave Picard as a, a loser. Yeah, exactly. Or let him die. Like, mm-hmm. but now on know. Voyager, he's basically the great Gazoo. Yeah. Yeah, and like the thing but is, I'm okay with that. The crew. I don't mind it. Yeah. The crew treat him like he like an inconvenience too. Like, there's a whole scene in the holodeck where he. Uh, like where he's talking to uh, Paris and Harry, no one's afraid of him, and like he'll he'll turn you into an Irish setter. Yep. Yeah. On on next gen, they never lost that. Like, you know, Riker would be rude to him. Worf would be, you know, just straight up confrontational to him. Yeah. Uh, and Picard, like, they all had no tolerance for him, but it was there was. There was always still a sense of danger to him. Yeah, Paris is just like, you're not going to do anything. Fuck Even in off. that one where he just showed up to, like, you know, tutor the little Q and how to use her powers. Yeah, exactly. There was see- still, like, the only reason they were comfortable there was that he, for once, he wasn't there for them. Yeah. I just, I don't know, like, I, if he's this show's Mr. Mitzietplik and he just shows up every periodically to, to mm-hmm. fuck with the crew, I'm okay with that. Like, it doesn't bother me that much. Like, just... Only because he's so good at it. I wouldn't like that with probably anybody else. Mm-hmm. But, but how because... are they going to trick him into saying his name backwards? <laughs> what is that, Uke? No, it's also Q. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy, actually. <laughs> yeah. He's constantly disappearing and reappearing. Yeah. What's, your na- what's your name again? Q. Oh, no! Right, let's go to the Q continue. Oh, damn it. Could Some you pass bitch. me that, uh, whatchamacallit, pool stick? Oh, the, the Q? <laughs> damn it! Oh, we're going to have a, a question, a something in A. What is it, a, a Q? Yep. <laughs> so, well, we better really, get online here at the bank. What do they call that in England again? <laughs> I just got to add this to my Netflix list. List, my list. Yeah. Hey, who's your favorite James Bond supporting character? <laughs> oh, definitely Mon- Money, Money Penny. Penny. No, apart yeah. from that. <laughs> Money Penny. <laughs> but really, we're circling around what Matt has a real problem with, and while I don't agree, it is totally a valid point. So, mm-hmm. Matt, I mean, go, look, go let's be it. honest. Let's be honest here. My feelings on this have been clear since Next Gen, like, and they certainly haven't changed. Q isn't going to have a baby with anyone in the entire universe except for Picard. Picard is the guy he respects more than anyone else ever, and the very idea of him going to anybody else, especially like, especially Janeway, is just completely ludicrous to me. The feeling I got with this episode was that the only reason Q is bothering uh, Janeway and Voyager is because it's Voyager, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the only reason he's here is because he, it, this is the series he has to be on. 
I mean, I'll get, I, I give you that. Like, and Brian pointed out having a baby for some reason, like mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. But if he wants to breed yeah, with a human, the, uh, he's making the Cune Messiah. Excuse right. me, Q Messiah. Right. I'm reading Dune. Which, I almost made a joke about Dune Messiah in my uh, summary, but I couldn't figure out how to work it in. So thank you for <laughs> send men to summon Targs. <laughs> <laughs> Which he talks briefly. Well, this is your quote, right, Brian? Uh, oh yeah, it's it's um, well, and this because we were talking about like the the good interplay they have, and this is mm-hmm. just two good actors having fun dialogue about uh, you know, uh, well, here, just listen, just a. I know that you're probably asking yourself. Why would a brilliant, handsome, dashingly omnipotent being like Q want to mate with a scrawny little bipedal specimen like me? Let me guess. No one else in the universe will have you. Nonsense. I could have chosen a Klingon Targ. The Romulan Empress. A Cerulean microbe. Really? I beat out a single-celled organism. How flattering. Yeah. Yeah, just a fun little exchange. Um, but I just, I like, I, I think it's because, like, the idea in, in universe is because she's a woman and he needs a woman that he respects. And what, on the Enterprise, who's he going to talk to? Bever? No, he's going to talk to Picard and become a woman because he well, doesn't have a gender. I mean, that's... Yeah, he straight up know. said to Picard at one point, like, I could have chosen to appear as a woman if I wanted yeah. to. Did he... Is that on the show? I thought that was... Yeah, that. No. no, it was, it was in... No, that's um, in the show. It was in uh, Cupid. He said, uh, you know, ah, if I had known that okay. you, uh, a woman could have you this flustered oh, right, 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 or something yeah. like that. Right. In in one of your Jennifer Hattrick. Uh... <laughs> one, of, one of my Jennifer Hattrick uh, episodes. Yeah. No, maybe, I... maybe that's who I had a crush on. <laughs> the three that you showed up for, you got the Jennifer Hattrick. <laughs> Turns out the one I really wanted was right in front of my eyes the whole time. Uh-huh. But no, and like, well, still love that Jennifer Hattrick joke, by the way. I forget which one of us wrote it, but it's solid. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Probably Matt. Like... I also have a problem with him having a girlfriend in the Q continuum. Like, yeah, that doesn't what? make any sense. It's so weird. Because they like, all make it very clear that they don't have standard like relationships and they nobody's bred in centuries and it's it's all it's a foreign concept to them. I guess mm-hmm. what bugs me here is that like the concept of Q started out as like these these omnipotent like just constant n- not completely non-human beings. And the longer they've been in the show, the more human they keep getting. And yes, that's fine with Q. But when you bring it into the continuum and everything, it doesn't make any any sense. And when you when you bring in the concept of Q being with this other Q for like four billion years, it does like it doesn't work with all the other stuff we've seen. Yeah, why do they even have a concept of what a year is? Yeah, like the oh, I- it all falls apart if you poke at it too much. I think. Yeah, like one of the ideas I always really liked about Q being into Picard is that like he, the first human he ever officially met is like this guy who completely changed. Like he just continued to impress him every time Q showed up, and that made Q want to show up more and more. And that's that's why I have this idea of him being into Picard, and having like having Q just have this girlfriend or whatever for like billions of years it doesn't it doesn't work for my concept you know which i i am fully willing to admit is my fanfic headcanon but it's still it's so ingrained into my feelings about this show no i get it and the the really thinking about it the thing for me is from q's very first appearance knowing full well that i would like the character i basically had to set aside the part of my brain that says magic doesn't belong on star trek because i mm-hmm. usually get really mad at that yeah, yeah. he's effectively a magic sorcerer from another world like he's a crazy he just poofs in and changes things with a wave of a hand and he's fucking he's a bewitched uncle really (laughs) (laughs) he's he's one of the gay uncles from bewitched yeah (laughs) like he could totally like if he if he was about 10 percent femier not much Mm. but just (laughs) a little bit he would be a bewitched uncle yep and the Uh. thing is it's it's all delancey it's all because he sells it that i don't I'm okay with it because I usually hate that. But sorry, I'm now picturing Q as played by Charles Nelson Riley and, and really into the idea. Yeah, I'll go. That for would that. be fine. And that's yeah. why Plaxton works too because because she can play Q. We can buy her as Q's girlfriend, even it's, though the idea of him having a girlfriend oh, the idea is stupid, is stupid and terrible. Mm. But just like the idea of the Q, like really it, going back it makes to far me point. imagine like ten years down the line. Ambassador Picard is finally sitting down and reading Admiral Janeway's like biography or like the Voyager mm-hmm. like report logs and stuff. Well, I put and he this gets off into this chapter enough. and he goes, "He had a girlfriend the whole time." Yeah. What? Feels so betrayed. And then he looks somehow. around real quick to make sure nobody heard him say that. <laughs> 
Well, see, that's a, that's a, like a uh, quaint, old-timey expression at that point. <laughs> oh no, he didn't. <laughs> say what? Yeah. What? Say what? No, no. Say what? <laughs> Season one, Data walks by and says, "What? Say what? Say what? Say what again?" <laughs> Motherfucker, I, I dare you to say what? The the Q just have always been this really a stupid idea pulled mm-hmm. off really well, and so. This is just more of the same, and so I'm just like, eh, whatever. It's just John Delancey being John Delancey, and I'm just going to ignore, because none of it makes any goddamn sense. It never has. No. Or, as as Brian pointed out, if they have the ability to turn back into human, or turn into human like they did in that Next Gen episode, why was it such a big deal that 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 one guy wanted to kill himself in the first place? Mm -hmm. Presumably, Amanda's parents died at some point. Yeah, in they fact, were... they did. That was part of that was part of the plot of that episode. Yeah, and he could have just turned himself to a mortal and waited to die. But eh. and they're like, no, no Q has ever bred except for these two that turned human, and also no Q has ever turned human, also except for these except two. For these two that no, no, it human. doesn't make any sense. And it and also Q was human sense. for a while too. Yeah. Uh, also, well, not on purpose. No, no, no. So, that was a punishment. I'll mm. kind of allow that. But also going back, Matt, to what you were saying about every time he comes back, they kind of water it down a little more. Yeah. I mm-hmm. feel like we don't know this yet, but everything I've read and seen and heard about the Borg on this show mm. is that. That might just be what Voyager does. They take huh? a cool idea Borg and they just make the it. Show? Hadn't heard. Li- <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a secret. Don't uh, don't tell nobody. Yeah. But it's, you know, the show, like, really, you could look at it as a statement of Star Trek on the whole. They take a cool idea and they keep chipping away at it with stupid <laughs> stuff until it becomes this. Mm-hmm. To put in a Doctor Who comparison, it's like the Weeping Angels. They show up once, and it's like one of the greatest episodes of all time, and then every subsequent appearance, you just go more and more, wait a minute, this makes no sense. Yep. Nothing That's... about this is even remotely workable. Diminishing returns. This is the problem whenever you have a thing that's cool. Yeah. That was awesome. Well, we'll bring it back again. We'll do it no, again. No, don't. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Ghostbusters 2. Shut oh, up, man. I like Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, I know you. Uh, well, you can like... go ahead and go on liking it. I will. <laughs> I, I like Ghostbusters Remake. No, you don't. It's not even out yet. You probably yeah. will like it, but it's... I, I'm preemptively liking it because so many people are jerks about not liking it. Yeah, oh, God, fine. seriously. Uh, we don't need to talk about that here. I'll just say this. Spy also had a really bad trailer. I don't and that know movie that was is. fantastic. I still need to see that. Comedy trailers in general are terrible. Yeah, comedy trailers are garbage. Yeah. Just put the broadest, stupidest joke in it. That'll get the uh, that'll get the people in. That'll get the stupids in. I saw the spy I, trailers and I thought I got to see someone punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes ninety five percent good reviews, and I thought, how does that happen? <laughs> and I went to see it, and it was amazing. All right, we need to we need to uh, finish up on this episode. Oh, that's no, what Susie we... Plaxon called uh, uh, Harry Kim, Helm Boy. Helm Boy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Every, um, everyone got a horrible nickname. Like, uh, what 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 did he call Chicote? Chuckles. You oh, there. I did. Helm Boy. I just I didn't do my official bad thing. Uh, oh, okay. Speaking of Helm Boy, um, I just want to say Neelix's little Fuck Island holodeck program is still around. Oh uh, no 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 no! That's Harry Kim's Fuck Island holodeck program. You're right. I associated with Neelix because he works there. Apparently it's for fun. He works there. Yeah. Well, he was the Spuds McKenzie last week in his Wimmy Wham Wham Wazzle outfit. Uh-huh. No, no, but... no. Wait. Okay, I'm remembering now. He made the program, and then Harry Kim filled it with bikini babes. Yeah, yeah from from the volleyball planet. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Anyway, but, it's still terrible. And and, and the, but no, but Paris and Kim are working there. Yeah. Like they were told to do a job, and instead they go and change into their you know board shorts. Yeah, and go sit around getting foot rubs by holographic. And it's like, okay, you're going, babes. you're going and doing your homework at the coffee shop is one thing, but like, mm-hmm. you don't change clothes and go to the beach. You have uniforms for a reason. You're on duty. You're doing a shift. Yeah. And so, I, is this not going to go away? Then is this not a one episode thing? Is this the new sleazy French bar? At this point, it's been like a fucking four episode. Thing. And so like, I'm calling it now. Sometime too. in season four, either the bikini babes try to take over the ship. Or Harold falls in love with one of them. Yeah, probably. And I don't know which episode I'd rather see. Well, you said Harold, so neither. <laughs> He's just one of those that I wish would just go away. But Okay, uh, oh. fine. It's settled then. Bikini Babes take over the ship. Yeah. I'm fine but with that. That with sounds With a rockin' amazing. 80s soundtrack. <sighs> yeah, no, you're just sweet in the pot. And the only one who can stop them is Ensign Wildman! Wheel-bow! <laughs> yeah. I'm really sad that episode's not real. It might be. Who knows? Uh, we yeah. got some bullshit coming up. Speaking of bullshit, mm-hmm. 
Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Well, we got to talk about macrocosm. So, do we have any final thoughts on Q? You talking about you talking about macrocosms? <laughs> yes. Well, I'll just say that when you say macrocosm, I have the same reaction people always do when they see Q, which is uh, listen closely for the sound of a facepalm. I, I I don't want to like move like if you have any other things to say about. No, I got I got nothing. Matt, no. Nope. Okay, let's press forward then. Why don't you tell us? about Macrocosm, written by Brandon Braga. All right, so Janeway and Bar Rodent return from a diplomatic mission to the planet of the clown people, only to discover that somebody has, has completely Mary celeste the ship. And from the gross goo all over the walls and the buzzing of flies everywhere, somebody was in the middle of cleaning up the fridge when it happened. Bar Rodent is sprayed in the, chase, in the chest by a giant flying beehive and dies. Or maybe he just gets sick. What do I care? Cat heads down to engineering and gets rippled up and then goes to sickbay where the doctor explains what happened. So apparently Voyager stumbled across a sick mine and the doctor, eager for adventure, beams down to help and brings a virus back with him. Somehow. Actually, it's a macro virus, a term which here means giant fuck-off virus. And there's only one cure, some kind of spray or something. Also, shooting it works. Or stabbing. Medical stabbing. Back in the present, Cat lures the viruses onto the holodeck where they can look at bikini babes and hunks and then explodes when they and then explodes with a biodamage bomb from Borderlands. Crew recover, but everybody is really grossed out by seeing flies crawl out of their neck wounds. Cat orders a round of brain bleach for everyone. Cat, don't you mean Kathy? Nah, I'm sticking with Cat. That works for me. I like Kath because that's her actual canonical nickname, at least from her boyfriend. Yep. Kath. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, Mark. She doesn't talk about him that much. Mm, she talks about, they've done a good job of less and less. Mm -hmm. Like, she talked about him a lot at the beginning, and she's great. Like, realistically, kind of forgetting about Just him. Just getting sort of bored with him. Or, or giving up the idea that she's going to get back there and he's going to be waiting for her still, mm -hmm. which is fair. But I, I like, I don't know any uh, Catherines or Kathleen's or anybody who have ever, has ever gone by Kath, and I've no. known a lot of women with that name. And just Kath is never an option. I've never heard that in my life. No. It's a very strange choice. Anyway, this was a piece of garbage, wasn't it? It was sure a real was. shit episode. You know what I liked about it? That like 80% of it was a flashback with narration. That's good storytelling. That's what you liked about that, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a real solid choice. You know what I liked? Is, the shit all over the walls. It really represented what I thought of the episode. They did. It's like it's like they heard about show don't tell, and they were like, "What about if we did showing, but made it seem like telling?" Well, all three of us agreed that the first, like, I mean, not the bit at the very beginning with those dumb aliens, but like the oh, the, oh, the ten minutes that. after the credits, like when Cath uh, uh, and Neelix show up on the ship and everything's abandoned and it's all creepy. Yeah, they yeah. they did that well. I mean, it's that always cool. a good time when when Star Trek like does like there's something wrong with the ship and they they shoot these things with like different lighting and like a little empty and yeah and the captain's the only one who could take the ship back i always i'm always a sucker for that because well, it, it goes kinda... into full-on aliens mode which i'm a big fan of yeah, she strips down not in a like sexy way but in a tough way like yeah. strips uh, down to like a uh... kind of a sexy way <laughs> it's a little sexy yeah. but uh just in the in the tough guy like sleeveless t-shirt thing yeah and... no she's gonna fucking pull out the flamethrower and go save harry from an alien well, and that was my good thing. I like get away uh, from I, her, you bitch. I, I referred to it as uh, she's Ripley McLeaning her way around the ship. <laughs> oh, see, I said Ripley Connor. Yeah, also good. Um, but it's you know it's 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 that thing which I like. And for there's I noticed there's about a five minute stretch where there's no dialogue. Going back to your uh, show don't tell thing. Yeah, yeah, where that nobody actually worked. Because often at this point in Voyager, I kind of listen and I don't look because, you know, but uh, I'll be doing <laughs> We know what Neelix else. looks like by now. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, I'm well, awful. Well, uh, yeah, but, uh, but I realized there was no dialogue happening and I had to look, uh, oh, they're doing this really cool thing where she's, you know, like going around corners with her, with her phase arrival, sweeping for, for, uh, you know, hostels and, and all this stuff. And like, she, there's no dialogue and it's quite good. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Um, And I think it's, like I go on about this every week and a, and a listener pointed out I'm repetitive. It's because the show's repetitive, but Braga's got a formula and every one of his episodes is the same and he disrupted the formula a little. And that's why we started liking it because it was different. And then it, once we get it to the flashback thing, it just reverted to form. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's like a big fucking turd just floating in the middle of the episode. Right. Cause we have this super like 
dark, tense episode. And then suddenly it's like someone turned the lights on and told everyone to calm down. Suddenly there's like wacky jokes and like. Well, like I said, it goes back to his flirting. formula. It yeah. goes back to let's explain things, even though this is a stupid concept that I came up with in my sleep, probably. Mm-hmm. What if a virus was big? Ugh. What? And that was my what bad the vi- thing. What if the virus didn't look like shit, Brandon? How about that? Well, I mean, that's early CG. You can't blame him for that. Don't Unless worry, everybody. We're here to hold your hands and reassure you that everything's all right. Yeah. I, but it's it's his typical, like, let's spend three acts explaining this dumb thing. Mm-hmm. And it still doesn't make sense. It's still like, I like, I don't know the science of it. And I'm sure we have listeners who do who could chime in. But I thought part of the thing about the way viruses work is they only work on that scale. Like, it's it's kind of like you can't have giant insects because the way their exoskeletons work would crush them. That's true. But I like the concept of giant insects too much. Okay, yeah. that's fine. That's why but- Manta is my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what is it? Them? Exclamation point? Yes. Bob Jones. Mantis is a fictional parody of them from a Joe Dante movie. Ah, mm. I see. Well, I, I quite like Oh, Joe damn. Dante, I need so. to track that down now. Yeah. That it's guy just Matinee. keeps coming it's up. It's about um, uh, John Goodman plays like, oh, a William Shatner. Oh, I know Shatter. that one. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's yeah, about Mantis that dude who invented the, the goofy, like, the, trick uh, seats the, and the, stuff. The Tingler guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. William Castle. Yeah. Right. The Tingler. But this this whole, like, I feel like... This is my son, Spock, and this is my other son, the Tingler. <laughs> my son, Spock, is loose in the theater. Scream for your lives. Now I'm just picturing John Goodman being dubbed by Vincent Price. That would be fine. In his only, new movie, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Only You in can't my mind. leave this bunker or else you'll be killed by a monster or something. Markets. My son, Spock. Markets by the way, anytime zero. I do this, anytime I do this, I'm tenting my fingers, even though nobody oh, can see. Of course. Shoner Shabbos, we don't roll on the Sabbath. <laughs> anyway. Something um, about Roseanne. <laughs> calmer than you, dude. <laughs> calmer than you. You're out of your element, Kirk. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. The, uh, but my point Market zero. is that um, he's a pederast. <laughs> just like I am. I, just the the idea of a of a of a virus being big doesn't make sense, and I like I say I'm pretty sure scientifically it doesn't work, and it's just it's such a it's such a like eight year old boy's idea of what's scary. Mm-hmm. Ooh, viruses are little germs that make you sick. What if they were big? And yeah, it's it's not spray a you with acid or something. to make fun of 1996 or network TV uh, CGI, but any of the bits where Janeway has to like grab it and wrestle with it. Yep. Like, there's one where it's, like, trying to, like, stab her, and she's, like, trying to push it away. Her hands aren't anywhere near it. I, no. I am very forgiving about that. Cause... I try not to be a no, dick the about that. The big one, though, that shows me that they didn't even know what it was going to look like when they were filming. Her hands are curled like she's holding on to, like, um, uh, like a tentacle or something. Mm-hmm. And the thing is just floating past them. So it's like she's trying to push it with her fingertips. Oh, yeah. God, it looks so bad. No, like, it thing... does. It, I, let's be clear. It did look bad. I just, I'm very forgiving about them trying. Like, I always say this. Non-humanoid aliens are mm-hmm. way preferred to me than, you know, all the stupid bumpy-headed bullshit or the cabbage no, heads is is what well, they're doing now. Can know? I talk about my bad thing real quick, then? All right. Yes. It's the Tech Tech. Oh, yeah. It's a dumb, dumb name for a dumb, dumb species mm-hmm. with dumb, dumb chins. Well, they're yep. one of those uh, we got a handle over our mouths, so how do we even eat, guys? Oh, I hate those guys. And, and like... they've got this, like, interesting hook, which is that they're a race where, like, the most important thing about them, much like the the whatever the hell they were called, the Darmoks and their um, metaphors, mm-hmm. is these guys and their body language. Everything they say is accompanied by a very specific gesture. Um, and that's a neat idea, but their gestures looked so stupid. Yeah. It was like well, constant was like... like jazz hands and wiggling fingers and doing little like head pops. Well, look, I'm not lying when I say they went to the planet of the clowns. Like to, honestly, they're like a bunch of like weird mime gestures. Mm-hmm. Well, that's they're the thing like, you're going to have to be more specific about clowns because we've already put Neelix in the clown category and they're different kinds of clowns, man. That's true. And then um, Neelix I... is doing those same gestures. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we open and up one the, of them uh, one of them looks the like an orgasm face. Like, one I of mean, them looks like his O face. He goes. <gasps> I mean, he's we got assume. his mouth all open, and we assume we haven't seen Neelix's O face. I hope. Thank God. But no, I, oh, no, I did my like. Semen. I, I did like the the gag that putting your hands on your hips is very insulting to them. <laughs> yes, that was. That's Janeway's main pose of authority, and she's yep. like, "Oh shit." 
That was a real solid gag. Yeah, it was. Also, uh, this is also a planet of people who are trying to kill Superman. <laughs> but I just I like that at the very beginning of the episode, while we got them doing their stupid bee dances or whatever, you got her standing <laughs> perfectly still. Like, oh god, I don't want to make this worse. <laughs> putting my putting my hands on my hips got me in real trouble. I better just like, and she's almost trembling from the effort of not putting her hands on her hips. Yeah, and like great. at one point, like Neelix and the guy both do like this specific head tilt, and she like starts doing it and then puts her head back. Like, thinks better of it. Like yeah, probably not. shouldn't. Yeah, I already fucked this up, and I I like that. But yeah, you're mm. right. They are dumb, and and they play into the 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 uh like the third or fourth act or whatever. Where well, they're like, that, wait, that's we, my nope, bad. That's thing. that's oh, uh, yeah. okay. Like. Yeah. Like, again, this it, it, it's a fucking another turd in the punch bowl. Like, fucking, you know, you're doing, like, the tense horror episode, and then out of nowhere comes this fucking clown to goof up everything. Like, guys, you're trying to write a... You're, you're literally trying to write a horror episode. It's, you know, one person again fighting monsters. That, like, you don't get much more de- defining than that. And then what happens? This fucking dude with a handle on his face shows up to go, Do Captain Janeway! Are they the king of town? Yes. It's time to offer you some assistance. <laughs> Hello, Captain Kirk. I only showed up. I... Yep. I just no. showed up to shoot some missiles at your plane. Why not? No, no, no. See, I like the a plane. I just pl- at your plane. Okay. Is the Voyager a plane to you? It's my space airplane. <laughs> a plane that has stairs. Yep. Your mental An image aeroplane. of how starships work is just endlessly fascinating to me. <laughs> But um, no, I I like in theory I like the idea of these are the reigning aliens in this in this sector and they like no you're infected with this thing we can't cure we're gonna blow you up like that's not bad escalation of danger not at but, all but because mm-hmm. they're so stupid it doesn't come off as escalation it comes off as here's some goofy comic relief no it's just it's like time for us to blow you up and exterminate this plague but it but it is an extra oh shit we can, we've got a cure but now. These guys won't let us implement our cure because they're going to kill us. Like yeah, the high tech no, extermination be... force beams in on their unicycles, spraying <laughs> seltzer all over everything. Yeah, like no, it's just it's the fact that they sh- like they show up attacking Voyager, which is fine. But then the first shot of the attack tacking. Doing... Yes, yes, thank you. He's doing fucking with like... their tack tack tactics. <laughs> He's trying to do like a, like the bird shadow puppet, and it's just, it kills. <laughs> Any attempt at, t- at tension that they're trying to make, it does. And the thing is, the aliens who are initially genius, the the, uh, the the aliens who are initially infected look really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, they had what I loved about them because they were sick, and obviously you want to design an alien that looks good sick. And they had six nostrils. Mm-hmm. They had the normal ones for the actor, and then two more and two more above it. And one of them was shown bleeding out of all of his nostrils, and I was like, that's that's neat. Yeah, when the like, when the extra organs they give them look like they actually function, that mm-hmm. was always good. But this, the design on them was not typical humanoid, which I liked. But then yeah, no, they, they they had a little extra, you yeah. know, a little, little something special. They weren't just bumpy headed guys or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and they those, didn't have cabbage hair. Those should have been the guys. Like this, this plague wrecked our planet, and now it's roaming in space to other planets. We got to stop you. That would have been way better than the fucking yeah. tac. Absolutely. Or just make the tac tac the ones who were sick and they couldn't take any medicine because they had fucking handles in front of their mouths. <laughs> right. Yeah, they make the tac tac sick and then they all die off. And we don't have to see them anymore. Yeah, and Neelix also dies. Yeah. And they vomit into a bucket, but it's confetti and streamers. <laughs> <laughs> no, they vomit into a bucket, but it's smaller tac tacs. <laughs> and then they've got to call the uh, they got to call the ambulances, but it, and and like fifteen doctors come out of one tiny car. Mm-hmm. And then like, okay, no, I've got the cure. It's right here in my vest. And then they just keep pulling out a scarf that doesn't. Have to. <laughs> Wow, it's just never ending. When will it end? Just, never. Just think what transporter technology could do for that gag. Oh, seriously. You could just keep beaming additional lengths of scarf into your pocket and just it would never stop. Well, I mean, that's, I feel like the, they're gonna... that's the thing. The, the invention of the transporter completely destroyed all clowns and magicians. That's why we don't have them anymore. So it really way, is a way utopia. Back. Yeah, it is. It's a perfect utopia. Way, way back when um, it was it was the, the the Deep Space Nine episode where there was that uh, the Elorin who opened up the, the bar, like the con artist. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Who yeah. opened up across from Quarks. Humperdinck. Yeah. As I was watching that, I just kept thinking that my favorite episode ever would be if, like, an old-timey stage magician with, like, a cape and a top hat and everything mm-hmm. came to Deep Space Nine and was just, like, a charlatan who confounded everybody and... I don't Odo know had to had to uncover the mystery of how he had hypnotized someone. Exactly. Uh, he and... made Morn think he was a chicken. 
and now I'm revisiting that idea, and I would love it if that Voyager just ran into one of those, like just like out in a ship, outrageous Okana style. Oh no, no, it would be like a um, it would be a whole planet of them, and it would be yes. our our Earth concept of magicians came from this ancient race of magicians in the Delta <laughs> Quadrant. <laughs> And there's like a war. There's a war between like the uh, Mandrake style magicians and the Siegfried and Roy style magicians. <laughs> the idea of a race of magicians just sounds like the fucking John Denver song. No, wait, wait, wait. Doug Henning style magicians. Oh uh, lord. Oh no, like those. Who's the guy that lies on ice and thinks that that's magic? Oh, David Blaine. Yeah. David, yeah. Yeah. No, he's like he's like the renegade outcast. And the thing is, all these guys, like, or a lot of these guys we're mentioning, would have been popular in the 90s, so they could have gotten one or more of them as guest stars, too. Well, now that's two episodes we've come up with that I'm upset aren't real. Yeah. Or, what? if you were doing it now, like in the new in the new Trek series, it could just mm-hmm. be Will Arnett. Oh, there you go. Guys, let's get a time machine and go back and become Voyager writers. Yeah, that sounds uh, like a good idea. I Look, that sounds I like mean, a good use of a time machine. Look, we all know that uh, Brian Fuller is a good writer and hopefully will be bringing us a good new Star Trek show, but... He wrote some crap for this show, as I understand it. So he surely being, did. Being a good writer doesn't necessarily... Like, we need to get rid of the showrunners. Here's the here's the thing, guys. If we just go back to Next Gen and send in some spec scripts, I'm pretty sure we can get in. Yeah. Wait a well, minute. We, well, we Dad, need to do... We go back to season one, and then we send in, like, season six scripts and pretend that we wrote them. Yeah. Oh, what? you guys figured out Counselor Troy early. Yeah, we yeah. Sure did. <laughs> also... Yeah, we, we just realized that it would, she'd be better a character if she wore a cowboy hat all the time. Yeah. yeah. Also, give me, like, five minutes. I'm going to go to probably the early 60s and push Mr. and Mrs. Braga into a volcano. <laughs> Good plan. Good plan. Done and done. This is what oh, I'm saying. Oh, no, my future children. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. We just we go and we replace Brandon Braga. Yeah. We become Brandon Braga. No, God, no. No, I'll it's be for Brand- the greater good. I've seen in fact, how this we can Twilight go ahead and throw an extra D in that name and become Brandon Braga. Mm-hmm. I've seen how this Twilight Zone ends, and it ends with us writing episodes like Macrocosm. And then so, and then two assholes start a podcast to make fun of it. That's fine. And no. those assholes are both Brandon Braga. Ugh. No. I really, as I mentioned on Twitter this week, I cursed the day that his mother's womb was blighted with him. Oh, seriously. I'm just, like, and I, I know I go on and on about this, but really, every time I see his name pop up, I know what I'm in for, and it happens exactly the way I think it's going to. And here it was just a slight inversion of the formula, but it was still the same fucking formula. Just do something to learn a new trick. I'll Dude, tell you this. When his name shows up, I feel hope because he has written two episodes I liked, and I just keep hoping. Those were like next-gen episodes, though, Maybe right? this will be the third. No, there was, it was um, uh, Worf going to other dimensions, and yeah. then there was one in Voyager, and I can't remember which one right now, which isn't really helping my case. But No, he did a couple of good next-gen Was it one we've done already? What's that? Was it one we've done already? I think so. Hold on. I'm going to just real quick uh, look at the... Well, as as your brother uh, has pointed out, he has written more Star Trek than any single writer. Well, bully Which, for him. Is that, that's, a, that's a fact that I like to try to forget, and Flonk keeps uh, bringing it up. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, um, he did the first one with the Vidians. That wasn't bad. No, they well, were a pretty the concept good concept. Yes. Yeah. Um, he just made up word phage. Yeah, what's a phage? It's not a thing. Who's Dr. Phineas Phage? <laughs> We were just talking about a phage. Yeah, we were. Um, let's see, Brian. Oh, you know what? I liked. I liked the one where the doctor went all delusional and thought he was a real person. Uh, with um, the one with Barkley. Yeah, we did not care for that one. No. It was no. I I I'm thinking about it now. It was not great, but uh, like I don't know. It had a uh, like it used like stupid braggy stuff, but the fact that it took place inside the mind of a mentally ill hologram. Mm. I felt like gave me like enough of an excuse to like, you know, it could violate the rules of reality because it was not real, and I think that's what. No, I'm uh, just I'm tired of him using that trick. Yeah, yeah, but all the other ones allegedly do take place in reality, and no, you're right. Actually, he does that a lot. Maybe it's Threshold. Maybe I secretly loved Threshold. I don't know. I don't. Which one was that? I I remember hating that one. That's Paris turns into a lizard. Ah, yes. Paris and Janeway. Paris yeah. and Janeway turn into lizards. Yeah. And have lizard babies. Yep. Uh, Brian, what was your good thing about this episode? Uh, my good thing about this episode was the... What was it? Oh, you know what? I It was a concept thing. You know how sometimes they'll have like a good idea and do it badly? Mm-hmm. That was the case here. I like the idea of the Doctor going on his, his first solo away mission, 
And it was like they had a good reason for sending him on his own without any help that like the plague and everything. Mm-hmm. And he can't get sick because he's a hologram. No, that's a great idea. He... Like a medical emergency that that someone who can't get infected has to like he's got the expertise and he's got like no biology. So it's perfect. Yeah. And then he accidentally causes a major disaster because he's inexperienced. He comes back and he forgets that he's supposed to purge the transporter logs right away. It takes him like an extra like five seconds to do it and it's just a real slow a real short thing honestly a mistake anybody could have made like even somebody with more experience and he went to the this... uh, he went to the beverly crusher school of uh of, of starship uh, quarantine oh yeah what i think quarantine people by saying don't you leave now yeah yeah and uh yeah no so so i, li- I like that as an, i like the idea yeah. i do not like the execution mm-hmm. i do like seeing neelix covered with corrosive alien snot yeah that was nice yeah uh, Matt, you, I mean, we've basically talked about this, but let's, like, your good thing. Yeah, we basically just, I like the whole aliensness of the beginning of this episode. Just badass Kate snicker, sneaking yeah. around with a big-ass yeah. gun, looking yeah. to fight monsters. That sounds like everything I want out of everything, honestly. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I also, this isn't in my notes, but I wanted to talk about this. I actually really like the gross leaking uh, wound that people get when they're infected with the, with the, uh... There was some good makeup, yeah. That was, that was, yeah. This, um, this was an episode for the makeup people. Specifically, yes. though, what I like about it is the actual flies coming out of the hole in your neck, which is a disgusting, vomit-inducing concept for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kudos to you, Star Trek. I'll give you a thumbs up anytime you make me puke and it's not Neelix related. And that was actually really effective CGI because like a little tiny particle like that could also look very bad. Mm-hmm. But they 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 designed it just right. And oh, there was the a just right on it. There was but, a yeah. super early X Files episode where there's some bees or something, and I remembered them just looking super bad. Yep. Oh yeah, no, I remember that one. Like bees? I, I, yeah. What's that stand for? I really wish this episode <laughs> had been called some bees or something. <laughs> Because, I mean, the big, the big aliens just look like beehives flying around with tentacles attached to them. Yeah, and the tech-tech com- communicate by dancing at each other. Because <laughs> as soon as I saw the body, like, the, the gesture thing, it was like, I just made me think of that Futurama. I'm not going to waggle my butt for these jerks. He's making fun of our fat queen. Get him. <laughs> Health to you, Neelix. And where are all the flowers? <laughs> Uh, asking us where our flowers are. Flowers? <laughs> Actually, oh no, is, my flowers! He is an orchid farmer or whatever. That's or true. Keeper. What do you call an orchid guy? Yeah, he's an orchid ear. Near orchid a wolf. Ear. That would be it. Yeah. Ear wolf? Near a wolf. It's one of those wacky detective shows I like. Ah, mm. very well. This is a very good one. It's Maury Chaikin and Timothy Hutton. It's from the 90s. All right. I promise uh, it's good. Anything else? Um, the virus believed that the doctor was real because hologram something something bullshit. Yeah, that was fucking annoying as hell. Mm. Don't understand. Don't. Yep. No. Nope. Um, Janeway listens to mom jazz. Well, you know, we we painted would. a pretty good picture of her as like a lot of the early stuff we came up with for Bever still really applies here. <laughs> yep. Like, she probably has read Fifty Shades of Grey or whatever the 24th century equivalent of that is. Oh, that I'm going to get, a bit, of, I'm gonna get a bit of a thrill out of this. Yeah, oh, wait till Mark hears the ideas I got from this book. Look, I brought a piece of rope. Yep. Not really sure a what to do with rope. it. Yes, a piece of rope. Is yep. that what you call it? Yeah. yeah. Actually, I guess. I don't know what, what else do you I would call, call it? it. I think it's a length of rope. I guess it could uh, yeah, be a Yeah, there you go. That's rope. right. No, it just feels like she would say a piece of rope rather than a length of rope. <laughs> right. Um, oh, yeah, that was actually my last note. Is she listening to mom jazz? Yeah, oh, mom there jazz. There you go. Yeah, because they, they fade out on that. That's, that's right. It's like they show the ship flying no, off into the, the sunset and like they're just playing the mom jazz. Like, what the hell? Brian, were you humming the Sanford and Sons? Song? I started humming like a little like random like Kenny G note, and it turned into the Sanford and Sons. Because I love the concept of the Voyager just flying away, and the credits start to roll. It's like bam, 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 bam. no. See, I have this. Uh... But the thing is, if you put that on a clarinet and slowed it down, it would sound like mom jazz. <laughs> well, the uh, the the theory of uh, Quincy Jones entropy says that all music inevitably decays into the Sanford and Sons theme. Yeah, no, that makes sense. All right, so that's that's two more off the list. Yep, many, two down. Many, many to more to go. Come back next week when Paris tries to catch the Easter Bunny and <laughs> Neelix. 
See, it's, the thing Neelix though, is finds that, a genie. See, the thing though is that uh, Akruman <laughs> trying to catch the Easter Bunny was already done in the original Trek. So, yeah. <laughs> God damn it, was there's a precedent for that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Next week is fair trade and alter ego. I have no idea what either of those might be. Um, <laughs> alter ego is about Neelix getting catfished. I I do know <laughs> that one of the episode uh, one of the episodes we're doing at our live show is a is a Harry Kim episode. So I'm sure we'll be pleased to do that. Crowd crowd pleaser that guy is. Yeah, I I would like it if our live shows were timed to you know good episodes, but good episodes? that's not really how it works. No. It's a lot of factors. There, and Al, there have to be good episodes for, the, for us to get a good <laughs> there episode. There have been good episodes. You you agree with me there. It just I, I, I told you guys, I, I looked up when we started doing this, yeah. uh, I looked up a list of like the 10 best Voyager episodes, and I watched them all. So there there are good episodes coming mm-hmm. up. They are they are fairly few and far between, but, yeah, but there are some solid ones. There, the there are three people I know who have made their way through this entire series. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who is uh, your brother, Flonk, um, Gav, Irish Gav, and our, our friend Vichelle. And all of them say there are seven to ten good episodes out of 170-something. Yeah, I would say you get, like, two per season. Mm. There's one, I'll tell you this, the not the season finale of this season, but the one right before that um, is a really good one. Like, it's one that I really straight up enjoyed. Uh, it's not Braga, it's, let me see, it's Kenneth Biller. I don't know if we know him. Yeah, he's a staff guy. Okay, um, but it's 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 real solid, and um, it, it's got some good mystery to it, and it does involve the holodeck, but uh, in an effective way. And does I don't want to spoil too much. Holodeck malfunction, sort of. It, it right. was sabotaged. Uh. Um, so it malfunctions, but not like it's just not in the the holodeck is a garbage thing that we shouldn't have on our ship way. It's somebody did it on purpose. Uh, mm. Okay, well we'll we'll um, see. I mean, it, it works. So I, you, I you remember got at least one to look forward to. And if this winds up being my Scott Ziolko time after time or whatever the hell it was called, then I will die on this hill because I really like that one. In fact, and I'm going to watch it again after we finish and I'm probably going to sit there watching it and going, no, this was bad. <laughs> what was I thinking? In fact, Scott just donated a little money to our fundraiser uh, oh, with a, thanks, with a note that says noted time and again van. <laughs> So and uh, that fundraiser is still going. By the, the way, uh, uh, we we could use a few bucks to uh, put together some promotional stuff for Emerald City, get people uh, coming to our panels, listening to our shows. So uh, you should donate. Post- I did, and you're probably a better person than me. I don't know. I, we're not really in a position to judge. I mean, you're you're better for having given us money. Yeah, definitely that. But also, you effectively just bought your ticket to the uh, <laughs> to the live show because part of what I'm doing is. Uh, Making sure everyone who's traveling out here to see us gets into the live show. Mm-hmm. That's what's called enlightened self-interest. Yeah. Make myself a <laughs> t-shirt. Uh, nope. The hell you get will. bleeped. <laughs> the, I, was um, just gonna, I was just going to follow you around with a big piece of cardboard to cover your shirt. <laughs> I already told Alan I'm going to follow him around with like a trumpet and a banner. So. Oh, God. It'll be really hard for you guys to follow each other around. You just walk in a circle all <laughs> day. We're just going to wind up walking in a circle in the yeah. lobby of the Seattle Convention Center. I'm yep. going to be dressed as uh, General Hux. So, like, I just be in character yelling about the panel and I'll be fine. Noted space <laughs> Nazi Al. Yeah. That'd be totally fine. Anyway, the the link to the uh, to the fundraiser is at postatomichorror.com. One uh, real random thing yes? about The Force Awakens. Uh-huh. That bit at the end where General Hux and Kylo Ren are running away together, I really wanted them to be holding hands. Well, uh, yeah. like, there, just there for will... no reason, just to have them like just like for safety or something. Put, put a pin in that. I, I got a, something I want to tell you that I don't want to tell the listeners just yet. Oh, but, sure. Uh, for, right. for now, you should though. tell the listeners about uh, your fine blog. I should. My blog is fine, although has not been updated in some time because of work not stuff. Since our but, la- uh, not since the last time. Not we were since on the show. not since our last episode. Yeah, not since I had an occasion to to send people to it. So. Well, that's uh, fortunately being on this show certainly motivates me to make sure that there's something new for the people. Uh, so <laughs> I am uh, today putting the finishing touches on my uh, review of The Road to El Dorado, mm-hmm. which is like half a good movie and half a bad movie, maybe a little racist. Um, but people on uh, Tumblr seem to like it. I know that much. Yeah, and it's got one of the most graphic, dirty jokes that I've encountered in a children's movie so far. So yeah, you shared that with us. It is pretty graphic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was asking, like, is this like a real thing, or is this like a the penis on the Little Mermaid castle accident? And I was Matt, like, well, let me show you. <laughs> Matt pointed that out. I, I'm only faintly oh, yeah, yeah. aware of the Little Mermaid's penis. <laughs> As is she. Uh, well, it's not her penis. Yeah. Well, I'm that's afraid. what. No, it is. She's just faintly aware of it. Yeah. Ursula was a little fuzzy on what humans look like from the waist down. Yep. So. 
She looked it up in a book and was like, all right, that seems about right. Is this the cloaca? I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) So how do they get to that fine blog of yours? Uh, It is uh, at allthedisneymovies.blogspot.com. And uh, yeah, come on by. Road to El Dorado next, then followed by Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. Uh, which is a movie which I do not know anything about, except it was one of the first nominees for Best Animated Film at the Oscars. That's probably uh, because there were only like three animated films. Yeah, out that probably because the category has to have five nominees. And uh, yeah, there's uh, uh, what is there? Sometimes you get a really solid year. This year was a really solid year for Best Animated Movie at mm. the Oscars. Mm. Uh, and then sometimes you get a year where like you know Shrek Three is nominated because right. got to fill out that category. I had a nomination for, um, for Shrek Three. Best fuck off. <laughs> It was better than Shrek 2. Well, yeah. I'm going to Yeah, let me see. That first year it was... uh, Oh, hey, what do you know? No, actually, uh, that was the second. The first year, Shrek actually won Best Animated Picture. First ever Academy Award winner. It was nominated against Monsters Incorporated and Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. Oh, really? Yeah. The second year, though, it was um, Ice Age, Lilo and Stitch, Treasure Planet, Spirited Away, and Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. Well, guys, as much as I love talking about the 90s, as as is obviously often That was 2002. Okay. Basically, still the '90s, as so far as 90s. I'm concerned. Uh, Fair enough. We we need to end the show now. Right. Yes, yes, we do. So Matt, say your thing. See ya, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. <laughs>